0: Like, ay, yeah You can't flex on it, eh, yeah Me and my team like, mm mm-hmm. Yeah, we got that flavor uh, Entramos like, yeah Oh, no fronte con ella Colombia like, mm-hmm Tenemos la flavor Came in the like, ay, yeah You can't flex on it, eh, yeah Me and my team like, mm-hmm. buddy, welcome back. <laughs> I hope you are enjoying the episodes and I got a nice treat for you. I got some pretty, forgive my language, I got some pretty badass women on my show today. Like for real. I'm sorry, ladies. Forgive me, pastoras. Please forgive me. Um, I have pastora Yvette Valdez and, <laughs> and pastora Sarah Gautier. What is up, ladies? How you doing? How's your life? Hey, hey. <laughs> off to a great start. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. You are still on the throne. Amen. All right. Yes. I actually had the privilege of meeting these women. Oh, during the pandemic, first of all, uh, through uh, AF Young Leaders, uh, Zoom calls, we were discussing um, episodes on the Mestizo podcast. Check it out if you can. Mestizo So podcast. good. Okay. Y'all, life will be changed. Um, so check that out. But that's how we met. And, uh, and, you know, as you know, I've been having different types of leaders, female leaders within the church sharing their experiences, what life is like for them. And today I have asked these uh, powerful women to share their experiences as senior pastors, senior pastors, pastoras. I love it. Sorry. <laughs> um, and you know, I know I, I am a pastor and I was like, but y'all going to hear me throughout these episodes. You're going to get tired of hearing of me. So I wanted to invite these two women. Now, Sarah is in Boston and Yvette. I want to you're not in you're not in Visalia (laughs) I'm close to Visalia so I'm in the Central Valley of California
1: in Porterville Poplar area yes
0: yes there we go (laughs) I'm so bad I don't even know where my guests are from I'm so sorry (laughs) y'all so I was like I'm not even from Boston I'm from Florida (laughs) that's where they're based at (laughs) um But another special thing about them, yes, they are senior pastors, but they are single female pastors, as in they are not married. Uh, I know I've just uh, met you ladies, like within, you know, the last year. But for me, I wanted you here because through our video calls, you know, the thoughts that you have shared have really inspired me, even the things that you post on your social media. Yes, Holy Spirit works through social media, y'all. Um, sure does. It it's, it Amen. does, you know, it makes me stop and pause to meditate, mm-hmm. to reflect and to put into action, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, Pastor Sarah, let's start with you.
2: All right. Well, I'm so excited to be here today. Um, part of the conversation with both of you, um, and our listeners. And so, yeah, so I, I live currently in Boston, but yes, I originally, I grew up in Florida. Um, I moved to uh, Boston in 2008 to go to law school Northeastern. Northeastern has a big focus in the social justice space and I was really interested in thinking about um, labor and how can we be equitable in our treatment of employees. That kind of led me on a journey of exploring the intersection between labor and immigration law, the intersection between Mm. um, labor, immigration, entrepreneurship. So I ended up working as an attorney for small business owners and entrepreneurs here in the city. And while that was all happening, I was also the youth pastor at a large Latino congregation here in Boston. Um, And so God, um, when I graduated from law school, God was really faithful to allow me to continue to do both of those things. I had a part-time job as a youth pastor, part-time job as a lawyer, full-time job kind of losing my mind doing that for five years (laughs) feeling pulled in like two totally different directions um and there came like a really interesting point in my journey where I was at a a youth uh camp retreat fall retreat with some students and um one of them uh prayed over me and um he prayed into something that the spirit had been kind of stirring my soul about you know uh this question that God asked me around if you had to choose one of these paths and you would allow me to work it all together for my glory, which would you choose? Um, And so he's praying into that question that I hadn't even had the courage, I don't think to face yet. And so when you hear a kid pray that, you know, in that conversation um, that's in your soul out loud, I, um, to my surprise um, was like, you know, like, I actually think I I really love ministry. Um, I grew up, my dad is a pastor. Um, you know, grew up in a, in a ministerial family, um, Assemblies of God in Florida. So very involved um, in that space. Um, and, and always said like, no, nah, like ministry, it, it, formal ministry. Like in that sense, is not for me. I'm a lawyer. I wanna be a lawyer that's it, you know. Uh, (laughs) But you know, working with young people really will mess you up. So I did that for a decade. I worked with teenagers for a decade, middle school, high school, college students. Um, And then another interesting moment in my life happened where God was like, you know, what if I what if I asked you to plant a church in Boston and, and what would you say to that? Um, and I was like, no, is my answer to that question. <laughs> I'm good. Like, I'm good. Like I don't actually want to be a lead pastor. I don't want to be a church planter. I've heard the horror stories, I'm not interested. Um, so it was about two years of me just kind of no, like I'm all set with that. You, yeah, I'm all set. Um, but I knew I wasn't gonna be a youth pastor forever. And what I was really interested in was the question of how can faith communities come alongside and collaborate with small businesses for the good and the flourishing of a neighborhood? And so to that end, um, I have a friend who owns a CrossFit gym and we kind of started to have conversations about what would collaboration look like. And so about two years ago now, so we're in 2021, so about 2019, we we kind of like we're like all right let's go on the journey and let's figure out what it looks like together so in exchange for space so when we could gather in person we would gather at the crossfit gym barbells you know the rig all the stuff just imagine a gym that's love it that's where we gather um and but also thinking about like how can we support the athletes how can we collaborate Mm -hmm. on things within the neighborhood um, and so that's kind of been the question of, of our, our church, uh, Living Stones here in, in Boston. We're in a predominantly Latino community that's being extremely gentrified right now. Um, and so it's this kind of collision of the native Latino immigrant, undocumented folks who have been here for, you know, about 20, 30 years and new folks who are moving into the area. And so how might we exist at, at the, at the gaps between those spaces, especially because We're in a CrossFit gym, which is normally one of the markers of gentrification in many communities. Um, So yeah, so that's a little bit about, you know, the arc of my journey and and how I got to, you know, what I'm doing now. Um, So lawyer, faster. I also wrote a book a few years ago. I was going to say, I was like, I know, I just remembered, I (laughs) remember say this, this is the thing about me that I forget that I did. Um, And it it actually kind of traces this journey of like, what the hell do you do when like God changes the game and how do you mm. find voice in that tension between, okay, God, you promised me some things, but I'm not really experiencing them right now. Um, so it's really about finding your voice in that journey um, between God's promises and their fulfillment. And it uses mm. colors and 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 um, just the imagery of that all of us hold a, a beautiful color that we add to the masterpiece of God's canvas mm-hmm. here on earth. And so- um yeah that's a little bit about me what's the name of the book again color me yellow um finding your voice in the tension between god's promises and their fulfillment
0: pastora yvette tell us about yourself
1: (laughs) i still cringe when i hear that yes Uh, (laughs) i'm so sorry go
2: ahead i feel you i
1: feel you i feel the cringe cringe is a thing though it's good the cringe is a thing you try to not let it show on your face but it's a thing um But I am um, in, like I said, in Portable, Central Valley of California, a very rural farm, farming community. Um, I am also a PK. So uh, hearing Sarah, I actually heard Sarah on a podcast earlier this year when we first started um, connecting through Young Leaders before meeting her and just was like so connected to her story. I think I messaged her and was like, loved hearing you because We're like a weird breed of uh, leader, women, Latina, pastor. That's like when you find another, it's like, wow. But I am also a PK um, and also did not ever, you know, dream of being a pastor, but definitely always had a desire to God, I want to please you. And I always tell people like, there is this, because my parents are still pastors and I'm actually not a senior pastor. I'm the executive pastor. So my parents are still the senior pastors. My um, no, 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 you're good. I just like, just to make it clear, cause I'm not, but, um, but I always, I always am, am first of all, for myself, um, conscious to, to know, and also remind people like, Hey, I, I wasn't called by my dad. Mm-hmm. I was called by my father by God. And I think that's so important because if if there are any PKs out there, there is that like a little bit of resistance because of a lot of different experiences that we can have. But I think when you encounter the voice of the father, like a lot of what Sarah's talking about of just like God said, God spoke, like there's these God moments that he doesn't lead every PK this way. But for (laughs) those that he does, I think it's like so important to make that differentiation of who's calling you and why you're doing what you're doing. And so for me, uh, I grew up in, in a house where we always were like, my dad gave us obviously like that ministry experience, but it wasn't this pressure of none of my siblings are doing this. Um, they're all in education and they love it and they're great at what they do. But I knew that when God called me, it was this marking. Mm-hmm. And so definitely still resisted, definitely still tried the, let's try something else. Like ministry is everything. So how about we, and so I did, I, I have a degree in elementary education. And so I thought I wanted to go that way because if you're in the central Valley, you don't have a lot of options when it comes to um, jobs. And so it was like, that's job security. Everyone's having kids. So, and I loved it. I loved kids. <laughs> I loved kids, loved kids. Um, working in schools and um, in 2017 um, God just started really moving my heart for missions and I was never that person I was not the kid who wore the bright t-shirts for missions trip never did that
0: you didn't, rebel I just
1: didn't <laughs> but it, it was a bright t-shirt true pk true <laughs> down the airport PK. The rebel in me was like, I'm not doing that. I will refuse. So at 25, I'm experiencing God just breaking my heart for people who haven't heard about him. And I was just like, God, I will go anywhere. Mm -hmm. I was so sure. Like, I was like, God, tell me where and I will go. And so I went to Africa for two and a half months by myself. I like fell in love with home while being hundreds and thousands of miles away Mm. and just like realized, like, I love that place, Mm. like began to break the idea that missions and living on mission looks like big, looks Mm. like far away, looks like numbers. It looks like, like, that's not what mission is. And that's not what success in the kingdom looks like.
2: Yeah.
1: And so. I began to fall in love with home, came home and quit my job, Uh, went full time into pastoring something I did say I would never do, but also did it with like so much love and so much like excitement. I wasn't kicking and screaming Mm -hmm. Uh, like I thought I would be if he ever asked me to do that. Like I was (laughs) sure if God ever asked you to do this, I'm going to. And it wasn't. And I think because I allowed God to reframe my idea of what it looks like to do something great for Him. Mm -hmm. And for me, great looks like serving at a church in a town that's less than 3,000 people, that doesn't have a stoplight, where 90% of the families are living under poverty level, working Mm -hmm. in agricultural fields with families who are coming from or are in families with undocumented parents, and where it like, Children are learning how to read in English mm. in fourth and fifth grade, even though they were born here. And, and I think one of the ways that God prepared me for that was allowing me to work in the school of that community. And so when, when I fell in love with the community at the school, then I realized like, wait, we're a church down the street from this school. Do mm. they even know we're here? Mm. Yeah. Do they know that we can help? Mm. Do they know that like, I mean, and, and the truth is that they did not And that's what the hands and feet, the light of the world, the salt of the earth, that's what it means that when there's families that say, Hey, we don't have any food to eat in the next two weeks, Mm -hmm. or our, our dad was just deported Mm -hmm. or like, these are very real daily things in, in my community. And so it just became this thing of like, how dare I Mm -hmm. want to run to another country when my neighbor who looks like me who has the same experience as me who I can't say that that was me and so I think that just became for me a thing of just remembering like I'm not called to this because it's a family dynasty this is not a family business yeah like this is a call of God and and it's been wild I've been doing it for three years this fall this last fall was three years feels like 30 (laughs) Um, (laughs) it feels like 30, but it's
0: good. Well, here we are. (laughs) Here we are. But I love how, you know, both of you were open to like, I don't want to just stick to what I'm comfortable with, what I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. I really want it to be God directed, God moved, you know? Yeah. And I love how both of you are like, God told me and it's, and especially being pastor's kids. That's what PK means. For those of you who may be listening, <laughs> PK That's means right. pastors, kids, uh, you, it's like Yvette girl. It's a, it's sometimes it's run like a family business, you know, mm-hmm. who's going to yeah. take after me? Oh, my kids and their has kids. has to be. And, yeah. It's yeah. going to be our family. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. And so to hear that you two weren't jaded by that and still had a desire and to be pastors, I love your journeys. <laughs> so uh, Yvette, you've been pastoring for three years and then yes. Sarah, you were the youth pastor for 10 years and then yeah. you have, and you planted a church.
2: Yes, I think something of that said, like, is so important, right? Like this, this knowing who calls you <laughs> and this is yeah. for, I mean, this is in general, Anything, this is life, yeah. this is everything, but I think so much of especially our our culture today, everybody's trying to identify you with something and put you in a box. Mm -hmm. And that thing becomes the identity that I take on. And I love that Jesus' story begins with baptism and the dove and this is my son, he hasn't done anything. Jesus hasn't done anything. This is my son Um, and that's his identity. And I think like coming from that place always of like, I am the beloved daughter of the most high God. Period. That's it. That's it. I can do anything. Yeah, can go send me anywhere. Send me home. Send me to Africa. Send me to yeah. rural areas, urban areas. Like, but I am the beloved daughter of God, and I think that has been very grounding for me because church planting is 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 nothing that <laughs> I thought it would be, and also everything that I could have imagined more than I could have imagined it. To yeah. Um, Cause there's so many? There's so many moments um, on this journey where it's been like uh rejection after rejection after rejection rejection for funding because i'm a woman rejection Mm -hmm. from um credentials because i went to law school and not seminary just rejection after rejection after rejection and i had a a mentor pastor friend of mine say to me like if everyone would say no would you still say yes to what god has called you to do Mm -hmm. and that my answer was like of course why not but but i think it goes back to remembering like our identity Is not found in what we do, in in what other people say we can or cannot do, but our identity is I am the beloved daughter of God. We definitely want
0: uh, approval or maybe supports, right? Because you're like, yes, it's like that encouragement you need. But then there's just, you get to a point where you're just like, you know what? A lot of people saying no, but I know that this is the Lord, so I'm going to do it and um and that's hard because internally you want that support you want that you know approval and uh you have to know who's you are and who was calling you yeah i'm sure trying to get you know killed and beaten and in prison right i'm sure people said look yo you've been in prison for a long time you sure you want to go back and he's like yeah i mean that's what we do what we about you know yeah
1: and i think when you when you make that shift and when you stop I mean, there's a difference between having confirmation from trusted mentors and teachers and spiritual leaders and confirmation is one thing. And I do want people to speak into my life and confirm things that God has put on my spirit. Uh, What I don't need is for them to be the ones that called me, because if they called me, they're the ones that can cancel me. Yes. And, and, and if they cancel me and I put my calling in their hands, it's going to crush me. That's what crushes people in ministry. It's like, but that person trust, like they, they promised me that I was going to have this or they gave me this title. They gave me this position. Yeah, they also took it away. Yep. And because that's where I had placed my identity. So I think what Sarah's saying of just like, it's so cool if you're listening and you are a female pastor, Latina, single, all these really cool, hard, nuanced labels. Um, none of them amount to being a daughter of God. That's right. And knowing, knowing the voice of your father, knowing what he's called you and being able to stand in it. Even when people do take the title away, even Mm -hmm. when people do try to cancel you, even when, because it's when not if like that stuff is could happen one year, it could happen 10 years down the road. We're all going to be faced with that moment of why the heck did I say yes? Right. Why am I doing this? Am I crazy? And then going back to that moment of like, wait, before any of this, I heard a voice. It was my father's voice. And he said, I'm his.
2: And I think there's so much beauty in, in like, knowing who calls us and then also seeing the beautiful way that these, all these nuanced intersectional mm-hmm. boxes that we live in of being mm-hmm. female, Latina, pastor, mm-hmm. single, like And to think that God could use all those things that that people look at and they're like, (laughs) Like, you don't look like the standard of ministry. Like you don't look like what we have created in our white male dominated cisgender culture. Like you don't look like that. So if you don't look like that, then you can't be a part of it. Right. But, yeah, and yeah. yet God, when we know that it is our father who calls us, that it is God who calls us, then we begin to see, or at least for me, like I begin to see the way that God has used mm. all of these intersectional parts of my identity, the all of it, like all of it gets used. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know, like yeah. praise to God, you know?
1: Yeah. And, and it's not, it's not in spite of those things right. it's because yeah. of them.
2: Yes. 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 Like
1: I, like, like we have to get to the place where it's like these things that people told us are are a negative or are a like this is what makes you an underdog absolutely not this is my strength my strength is in all of the things that god actually wove into me and it's not in spite of like look i overcame being a latina no No. like i didn't overcome being single or you don't overcome being a woman like you you actually overcome because of it right like you have been enabled in your identity by God and Mm -hmm. none of it's an accident right none of it was like God like oh I gave her one too many like like, no like (laughs) I I knew I knew what I was doing (laughs) so I think it's like because some people it's like man you're real like I couldn't do it you're so strong because you could like still do that even though you're this and it's like Mm -hmm. oh I actually get to serve like this because I am single with no kids. And there's, there's a level of freedom that I have that other people don't and other people have other things that I don't, but actually there's some really, really amazing things that come with
0: the entirety of who I am. Yes. Every person has a different purpose. So Mm -hmm. even though the three of us are single female pastors, Latinas, What we do is even different,
2: Mm, right? We
0: may have some common factors, but what we are involved in is even different. What do you do when you do find yourself in those setbacks because of A, B, C, or D titles? Because you're first, because you're a pastor, right? That Mm. alone comes with some reservations with certain groups of people. Then, because you're a woman, then because you're single, right? What do you? How do you, I don't want to say overcome, but you know what is your response to those setbacks?
1: I think the first thing is just going back to what we said previously is you've got to know who you are mm-hmm. before because somebody's gonna try to tell you. Right. Um, and so they're still gonna try, but I know who I am. But I think going back to what he said, one of the things that I just started doing recently was just like going back every morning and reading words that God gave me um years ago like when I was a teenager like when I was and and reading them and saying that's what he said Mm. some of those words through the years I've been like wow at that moment I thought they meant one thing and I'm like wow it was so off but but they're still true
2: Mm. and
1: I don't think you should take uh, uh, every single word anyone ever speaks over you i don't um condone that um but i think testing the word trust it it, whether it's a word from the bible whether it's a prophetic word but especially if it's a prophetic word make sure you test it up against the word of god but know what he said go back to it every single day i I always say to, to my girls i'm like guys we are not starving warriors like mm-hmm. I go back, I go back to Psalm 23 where he says, he sets a table before me in the, ta- in the presence of my enemies. To me, that means that I am not a starving fighter. Mm. Feed yourself, like get full because otherwise like we get faced with the fight and I'm hungry. Like I, you go back to even how, how soldiers eat during war and it's like, that's one of the first things that, that an opponent's going to try to do is cut off food supply. Mm. Because if I can get them to just be hungry, they're not going to know what to do with this
2: with this strike. So for, for our, when I started to um, have conversations with the owner of the gym about like, hey, what do it look like to collaborate? We we got so much pushback because, so they don't have, the gym doesn't have classes on on Sundays. They never have. And that's just been kind of like, it's the Sabbath day for everybody. Everybody yeah. has on that day. So wow. Okay. Cool. If nobody's here, and it wasn't like verbal pushback, you could just like mm-hmm. feel it in the spirit that like yeah. there was some some rejection of who are these people? Why are they here? I I that was uh, uh, there are moments when that's really discouraging. You're like, okay, well, God, didn't you like direct this? Weren't you leading in this direction? Like I thought this is what was up. Um, but then uh, for me, like I just decided. I'm just going to build relationships with people and not try to overthink, you know, what, what I think this is supposed to look like. Cause that's the other thing about ministry. Like I think that we get in this space where we're like, Oh, like I'm going to be a pastor. I think I know what that means. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
2: But once you get into it, I mean, like, (laughs) about like, we're going to make sure people are fed. We're going to make sure that people, if you need translators, like you have translators, like we're going to, but that's not something that people would be like, Oh, that is that what you're doing as a pastor right um and so just being on this journey of trying to build relationships with coaches and athletes and I Mm. always said something else I always said was like I'll never do CrossFit I'm not interested in (laughs) things over my head blah 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 and now in the midst of a global pandemic started CrossFit I'm training right now an apprenticeship to be a CrossFit coach that this could not have happened two years ago when we started because people looked at me and they're like, You're a pastor. Yeah. Like I can't even talk to you because yeah. if I if I curse, if I make mm-hmm. a joke that's not if I put on music that maybe has some suggestive language, you know, like I can't even yeah. be around you because you're gonna judge me, you're gonna condemn me, you're gonna do all these things. And, and so, you know, fast forward to, to now CrossFit coaching, really building, trying to be part of the community so that it's my, it's also my community now, Yeah, I never thought was going to happen, you know? And I think I am seeing this as an extension of being a pastor. So when I interact with athletes or coaches, some of them, some of them do know that I'm a pastor. Some of them, they they just think, oh, there's coach Sarah. I couldn't have been here when we were getting pushed back two years ago. Mm. And when there was so much like spiritual warfare going on for me, for the, um, the yeah. owners of the gym, we, we just had to pray through that and lean into that and figure, okay, God, you know, wh- where are you leading us now? Um, what does it look like now? And not being afraid to continue forward in where God has placed us mm. just because we're getting rejection or pushback. He right. yeah. continues yeah. to go back to the synagogue week after week after week mm. on the Sabbath to preach and teach, even though he's being rejected. Yeah, so He's just saying, what's wrong with this guy? Like he's lost his mind. They're plotting to kill him. He goes back to the synagogue week after week after week after week. And so I think there's got to be something in us that says, even though this might look like rejection, it might look like mm a setback it may look like okay god new plan because this ain't working like there isn't there's Mm. there's a there's got to be something inside of you where you're full like Yvette is saying and you're full and ready to fight and to continue Mm. to fight in the spiritual and and you just keep going forward okay holy spirit my question every day now is like holy spirit where are you leading today and I don't need the title of nobody needs to know I'm a pastor that's all right Right. Jesus constantly like don't tell nobody what I did yeah don't tell anybody and and sometimes I think we we see the title and we're like okay like I need everybody to say pastor before yeah. and, and I mean I think I understand like a sign of respect but in some spaces like I don't read pastor Jesus like I, yeah. I don't I read rabbi I read you know but so the rabbi this is like coach Sarah that's that's it you know right doing this from a place of this is an overflow of, of this season and where God has, has invited me to um, just serve and love people from that pastoral heart.
0: One thing that I, I love that I'm hearing from both of you is just your intention to be a part of the community. You know, but you, you went into your communities, you saw what they needed, you became one of them, whether you're from there or you're not from there. You learned mm-hmm. what they were about. And, and be through that, they were to see that you cared for them and you love them. And, you know, Sarah, I loved where you're just like, I, I, I'm not here to be like, I'm a pastor. I'm just Sarah occupying the space, you know, with you, you know, we just here. And it's great because when you have that kind of attitude, not even that attitude, but you just have that mentality with people, they're just a lot more open to receiving, you know. And, and yes, the Lord does send us to, to preach his gospel, but it starts with relationships. And yes, John ba- there are some John the Baptist where he's like, repent, repent, you know? And I was like, yo, you do you, that's a special calling. You got to do it, right? He was just out there blasting people out. And then you have other people whose roles are like Jesus and the disciples where, you know, you're taking your time in the cities, getting to know the people's hurts and building relationships you know i love it i love it so you know we talked about your journey we talked about you know some of the hardships that you might endure and you know how you got to get ready you got to equip yourself be ready to fight right um what is your like your spiritual and like emotional support look like yes we have the holy spirit yes um but you both of you had mentioned like mentors Um, Do you have mentors or other pastors that you speak with? Do you have a community within your hometown or is it online? What does
2: that look like for you? Yeah, I think for me, like I, um, at the outset of church planting in particular, I was like, I need to make sure that I've got some, you know, people Mm -hmm. that, in a more formalized way, like obviously you have relationships with pastors, relationships with folks, but um, in a more formal way. So I think I've been really intentional about making sure that I'm, that i'm being pastored and shepherded well or yeah i've got like um a couple of folks in my life who i i know i can call i can text and be like hey this sucks or hey i need some advice about this or hey look at this when that we got um so being very intentional about that um this year or 2020 i really wanted to um have a spiritual director slash therapist. So, um, I was able to do that, start that in 2021, you know, or 2020. So we'll continue that now, which has been really grounding for me just to, you know, talk therapy is great. You know, it's just great to have somebody who doesn't know anything to to do that. And, um, I think, you know, in our Latino context, that's not, you you talk (laughs) about therapists, you talk about even spiritual direction, which, um, in a, uh, Pentecostal kind of context that that looks more like Catholic. Guru-y. Guru, (laughs) it's kind of like weird. So I think I had to overcome some of my own like internalized stigma around that, but knew that it was something that was important. Um, And then I just have some friends that they know, um, that know that like, this is your role in my life. I need you to like call me on my stuff.
1: For me as a four, one of the things that, that I've been able to give word and language to is that I retreat to uh, isolation pretty easily and um, mm. learning to call out in myself the difference mm. between solitude and isolation.
2: Yeah,
1: and I, that's my like constant struggle of calling out, like, hey, this is what, like I can go into my shell real fast. Mm. And so for me, this this has been a, a struggle, especially in the last three years of being in ministry. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I'm, what, what role are we playing here? And realizing, like, I, like, and actually naming things. So one of the things I had to name is, like, hey, I have no friends in this town. Mm-hmm. I have family that I love. I have people that I lead and pour into. Um, I don't have friends that are in my age group, in my season, that understand what it's like um, to be leading in this way and so that for me was really like freeing to to name it to realize why do i feel so dang lonely mm-hmm. um and so if you're a leader if you are a pastor whatever it is that you do and it's like you know there's loneliness like why
2: yeah. why are
1: we lonely here and so i had to realize like okay but i do have friends they're mm-hmm. in other cities they're in other states um but What am I doing in order to stay connected to those friendships in order to be honest? Because I can be, I can talk to them and I can be in community air quotes and still (laughs) not be real and just like bring you my, my weekly rundown without telling you that, like, I actually like considered quitting this week Mm. or that I'm really tired or that I didn't Sabbath this week. And it's been, it's been a struggle for me. It's been a, but I think one of the ways that I'm like, okay, God, we're moving and God is calling me to move forward is, is calling it what it is. Mm. Why is this hard? It's because nobody around you is simply just a friend. Yeah. And, and I don't have a a husband that I could just like, this day sucked, tell you that at the end of the day. Um, I have me and my room and hoping to get a dog soon. Like that's where we're at. And so it's like, but at the same time, I get to lean on the Holy Spirit in ways that are that are real and that are deep. Um, I get to really, really calm myself up and allow my friends. I mean, I have a friend who a couple weeks ago, she's like, hey, you're doing it again. Like you're getting into this. Like, I don't know. Are you talking to someone? Like, you don't gotta talk to me, but I, I'm worried. Yeah. Yeah. And, and being like, yeah, you should be worried. I'm not great. Yeah. And, and being okay with that. And so leaning into those, there's mentors that I've um asked them like, and that's something that I'm praying still about, about having somebody that calls me out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want like, I I have my dad. And so he's, he's my dad. He's my pastor. He's my boss. So that's fun. Um <laughs> but and 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 so we work a lot together but i'm like who can call me out like who can be like you need to stop yeah um i want that i crave that apart from that relationship i have with them like i want somebody that's going to um and so that's something i'm still praying about i think if if you don't have either friendships or mentors like don't go into shame and guilt yeah. Um. Sometimes there is a season of like, I'm just praying into that, like just how are seasons where we're asking God to provide finances and, and things that we can see with our eyes. And there's mm. also seasons where we need to be praying for the provision of people. Yes. And, and so that when they come, it's like, I prayed for you. Yeah. Like I actually like prayed for you, to be in for this relationship you are a provision of god like going back to blessings being wrapped in people like there are things that i'm still praying for one of those things is is a mentor that like understands um that's further ahead than i am that knows more now i have people i look up to i do um that have taught me a lot of things i don't know that i yet have the mentor not like there's so many weird things with that name now of mm-hmm. like, we got to have a standing coffee date every, like, I don't need that. I do need somebody that understands, um, where I'm at and that will call me out. Yeah. Um, right. and so, and also like Sarah, I, I did start, um, counseling therapy last, last year, 2020, which was something that I said I was going to do in 2019 and I didn't do. And in 2020, it was no longer a luxury of like, I would like to sounds cool it was like, I need this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I had to tell friends, Hey, yeah. I'm telling you that I need to do this so that you can not shame me about it, but like, remind me what I just said yeah. of why I need this. And so I, I did it. It's been really hard. It's been, but it's been so good. And, and like Sarah said, like it's not something that in our church culture or even our, our Latino culture is very, um celebrated it's it's like that's where you go when you're falling apart Mm -hmm. like you know something's going down if you're in there when I said yes to pastoring the one thing I told God was how do I remain Mm -hmm. how do I do this not forever because I don't know if this is what I'm going to do forever I haven't had that like this is my whole life like I don't know it may or it may not but until this assignment expires, how do I get to that end? Yeah. Um, I don't want to get burnt out. I don't want to get tired. I don't want to hate God. I don't want to hate people. I don't want to hate myself for doing yeah. this. Like I want to remain. And, and the one thing that that was my one request, if I say yes, how do I get to the end?
0: Yeah.
1: Not how do I start? How do I get big? How do I? And the one thing that I felt from God was I'm going to teach you how to rest and how to run in that order what to me was so because when I when I said yes to pastoring I was 25 and so by that point I had seen a lot of people who were at those at the same altar calls as me who meant it with all their heart like I did Mm. who started and who didn't remain Mm. and I don't look at them as like how could you quit like no I could too yeah
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. If, if I don't if I don't get my roots in right if I don't like do this with intention like I could very much quit yeah Yeah. and so I realized like God how do I remain how do I and so me counseling's been one of those things where it's like I'm not gonna do this because I'm burnt out and tired and I'm I'm doing this because I want to remain like I want to do this for the long haul um and and finish well and not just be a really good sprinter because I I'm really good at starting things I in myself suck at finishing And so I had to know that, like, I know I'm not good at finishing things. God, how, how do we do this?
0: How do we finish Mm. really well? I will uh, run myself to the ground, but I'm a great starter. Mm -hmm. I'm a great, Mm -hmm. I can get people motivated. Let's go. But then I'm like over it after a while. Mm -hmm. I'm just like. Yeah, I'm done. I don't, I don't want do this no more. You want to take this? You want to do this now? I can start it. You know what? I can even get in and kick it up to gear. I jump in. Mm-hmm. Yo, 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 we're going to do this. And then leave, right? But mm-hmm. I love how you're like, how do I get to the end? How do I, you know, you know, even when I ran today, I was all good. <laughs> and then just that one part that between the half mile and the three-quarter mile, I was like, it, and it was, Where's an hope. <laughs> it was an incline too. I was like, it's not a big one. It was a small one. I was like, Lord, how am I going to get through this? I just, it's just a quarter of a mile. I got to get through it. Lord. I was just like dragging my feet. But yeah, and it's at those moments where usually in ministry, I'm like, oh, I guess it's time to move on. I got to go, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, how do you prioritize your schedules? I, you both have talked about Sabbath. I love that. So how do you, how do you schedule? What, how do you prioritize all of that stuff?
2: Yeah, I think, well, yeah, Sabbath is, is huge for me. It took me a long time to figure out the Sabbath. So I will tell all of, you know, people who are listening, um, just experiment with yourself, you know? yeah. A lot of people, pastor uh, friends who I had like, Monday, that's the day that you need to rest. Um, and for me, I tried Mondays. Mondays didn't really work. I was too like ready to... Start the week and get going. Um, so I have my Sabbath on Fridays because it just works with my kind of cadence mm-hmm. and my rhythms from the rest of the week. Um, but I had to experiment to get there in a, in a full 24-hour block. That took—it's like a muscle. You're building up something that you know you've never done before. It's going from the half mile to the three-quarter mile. It's like I gotta, I gotta continue to build this up. Yeah. And be gentle with yourself in that process. I also think with Sabbath, we think it's like I need to be sitting down, sleeping. Mm-hmm in a vegetative state all day (laughs) and that's (laughs) that's not Sabbath, right? It's like, what is gonna be life-giving for you? What is gonna help you to return to your breath, to your life giver, to God? Like what is gonna be the Mm -hmm. thing that's gonna help you? So that looks different in different seasons. When it's nicer outside, I spend a lot of time outside. Um, you know, sometimes journaling is really fun for me. Sometimes I'm like, screw that. I don't want to journal my thoughts. Sometimes skateboarding is really fun for me. Sometimes, you know, whatever. Like, so there are just different things with Sabbath. Experiment and, and, but it's, it's not a vegetative state. I just, want yeah, so I think that's important. That's good. Yeah. Um, but I think so, so Sabbath is, is really important. Prioritizing my schedule. I think what I've, because I'm now kind of taking on this, this additional job. I mean, it is a job. There's expectations around, around coaching and, um, being at the gym and, and being involved with athletes. Um, that has really changed the priority of my schedule and really thinking about for me, like, what is, what does it mean to be a pastor? And so having conversations with some of our leadership team about like, this is an extension of me pastoring, which means that there are some mm-hmm. something that I'm going to have to do less of. I am, this is me, this is pastoral care. So I want us to think about it that yeah. way um and so like having that conversation and just being upfront about about that but i think like it's it's the balance of um you know the season that you're in and like okay god like what are the what are the assignments that you have in front of me and and for me thinking i like look through i'll jot down all the things that i'm doing i'll think about like How much percentage of my time in the week am I dedicating to this thing? If I'm dedicating way too much percentage of my time to something that just is not really aligned with where I sense God calling and leading in a season, then I know that I need to deprioritize that and reorder how, what percentage of my time is being invested in kind of the work of ministry and then prioritizing like fun things. Yeah. Hanging out with friends, even if it's via Zoom or phone call or you know, grabbing a bite to eat with someone, like that's really an important thing. I Bridgerton, I if you're on Netflix, yeah. okay, it's Lauranchi, <laughs> you know it's little, <laughs> okay. like, fast, fast forward. You got to get fast, really
1: good with that fast forward buddy. Because, <laughs> okay. because like,
2: whoa, my lord, ooh, my god, what but but that's like like that was a good thing to binge through over the holidays and just like finding fun things as i mentioned skateboarding like that's something that i really enjoy doing and and i think so i am 34. And every year I have like a challenge for myself to like do something ridiculous. So one year it was every year in my thirties. So one year it was skateboarding. I was like, I really want to learn how to skateboard. Never did that in my life. Um, This year it's jump roping. I never jump rope. So I want (laughs) to like learn how to jump rope. Like that's my goal. And it's just like a fun thing. Um, Last year I wanted to learn how to make like good coffee, espresso drinks. And so really invested in that craft. So I think like, there's also the priority of like, what are the fun things that i want to do and so i'm yeah. always trying to like put that in my schedule anyway enough i love that i love that <laughs> that's awesome I, yeah my,
1: my uh 18 year old's cousin was like you got to watch Bridget too we're always like you know swapping binges and she's like except she's like you taught me how to be real good with that fast forward button so you gotta, you gotta be ready <laughs> she's like you taught me how to be ready um, <laughs> so I'm like I don't know if that's a good theory, or my But but um, for me I think when I look at my schedule it's just I, I'm bad with structure and so that's that is a definite practice as in I'm not perfect at it for me mm-hmm. um, I, I routines and things like that like I, I just I'm a, I'm a snowflake I just like want to do whatever I feel like doing um, that's not great. So, um, so I think for me, like schedules have become that really, really sacred thing for me. Where it's like this is me being obedient and faithful. Um, I'm not the person that loves the to-do lists and checkoffs and schedules and planners. I've just learned that that's how I'm being faithful. Mm. Um, so for me, I schedule rest first. Now this mm. is like really, really hard for me. I've, I've done Sabbath for the last couple of years been like on and off trying to figure it out I think in 2020 really um even though it was like what am I resting from but like it was a lot like mentally like the decision making the like shifting the this week we're doing this next week we're doing that that like all of that was a lot a lot of toll and so realizing rest is not something that I am being rewarded for it's not something that I'm that I am Earning or deserve, it's a gift. And so Mm. every day when that day comes, whether I worked really hard and accomplished everything, or whether I like, you know, it was I didn't, I wasn't super productive, like that day came, we're gonna rest.
2: Mm.
1: And so not not treating it as something I deserve or I earn. So I I schedule that first. And for me, I, I look at rest as like a daily thing, which is for me, mornings are my like I'm not giving up my mornings. And so for me, it's like, if I have to wake up earlier, that's fine. But I've got to have that time where it's just me. I'm just sitting with God, um, running. I took up running this year, which was like, I don't have a, I do not have an athletic bone in my body. Like I come, <laughs> I come from a super athletic family. Every, all of my siblings, very athletic, my uncles, my cousins, um, not me tried out for soccer in high school. It was a sad, it was a sad, sad realization of like, there's, this is not going to happen. And so I always just like, I'm just not comfortable, like in my body. Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable in my mind. I'm comfortable, like working with my hands, speaking, using like my, my mind, my voice, my words, but my body I'm very uncomfortable with. And so it was a stretching thing. And it was also a, resting thing of like, I actually encountered God a lot there. And I don't know that that would have happened out of 2020. And so for me, it's like, we're going to put rest, we're going to put running. Um, and then my I, I do Mondays. Um, because just because for me, it's like, I, I did find myself in the weird Monday funk of ministry. Like Sarah said, just do things that are fun. I like to um, make a playlist for that day, have a meal planned for that day, have a book that I'm going to read that day. Um, and then have a friend that I'm going to talk to that day Mm -hmm. and then just helps me. Um, and I, what I do, what I did find just to be productive as far as like apart from rest was Sunday nights, planning the whole week and being like, Mm -hmm. this is what's important this week. This is what, what we're doing this week. This is who I'm pouring into this week. This is, um, the big picture thing that we're moving towards. So that kind of helps because again, I'm a snowflake. So I kind of just like what what do we feel like doing is what my natural instinct is.
0: Thank you again, ladies, so much for your time. Thank you for sharing. Um, I I loved hearing your journeys, uh, your experiences. Um, Thank you for being so open. You know, I know sometimes as pastors it could be a little difficult uh, to share. You know, things that you you work with, work through, and. Mm And just being honest about like I'm not perfect, and I am working things out, mm-hmm. and I and I hope those listening, pastors don't got it all together, okay? We are also mm-hmm. a work in progress, saved by mm-hmm. God's grace, Amen. and yeah. uh, and just learning along with you. We are sheep among sheep, right? And uh, yeah. So thank you again, um, uh, for sharing. And, uh, just to close this out, are there any like encouraging words that you may have for pastors, church leaders, female pastors, female church leaders that you would like to share any, any, any words of wisdom? Uh,
1: I think just, um, I, this morning when I was thinking through this and just praying over this time and, um even as you're listening, like, I, I truly believe, like, God knows who he calls. Mm. I think sometimes we try to convince God of why he's got the wrong girl, uh, of why he's got the wrong person. Mm. Um, and I think recognizing, like, he knows who he called. And uh, it reminds me of First Thessalonians 5.5. 5. I was reading this this morning, and it said, your sons of, your sons of light, daughters of day, we live under wide open skies and know where we stand. So let's not sleepwalk through life like others. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. People sleep at night and get drunk at, get drunk at night, but not us. Since we're creatures of day, let's act like it. Walk out mm-hmm. into the daylight, sober, dressed up in faith, mm-hmm. love and hope of salvation. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if we could live like that, I know it's wild out there. Like I know there's so many voices, so many things, but if, if the sons and daughters of light of day would be dressed up knowing, like, I, I I know who God is Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I, and I want you to know him too. um, I think that we would be less fearful of the day we're living. Mm -hmm. And so my encouragement to you is just um, live like you believe that. Um, live like you believe what you say you believe and and I think the world um, is needing that it is
2: wanting that and I think just to kind of connect with that like being a follower of Christ is not easy and I think sometimes we sell this uh, illusion that this is going to be safe and rainbows and butterflies Mm. and all this stuff. And that that's not what I read in scripture. That's not what I've experienced in my life. It's not what, you know, any of us have experienced. Yeah. It's like, there is um, this beautiful risk that we take when we take up our cross daily to follow Christ, but understanding that that is a, it is a death. You know, it's not a final death because Jesus took that final death. So we don't pass on to that, but it is a death to, it's a death to titles. It's a death Mm. to our ambitions, our dreams. And I think when we're willing to take that death walk, with Christ, like he he is so faithful, and um, but we've got to take the first step. He's never going to force us to to do that, and so it's not safe, it's not secure, but it's the greatest adventure of my life. And so I just yeah, I, I think like there's a beauty in, in being on this adventure, and and understanding that the the spirit has always been you know uh, a wild child, as one authoress calls it, the spirit, the wild child of the Trinity. Yeah. Um, who dances bachata and has these salsa moves you know but that's it it's it's the column of of smoke by by day and the column of fire by night and the Israelites had to follow one day or the next or be in the same place for a year and I think so often we're trying to control ministry we're trying to control calling we're trying to control purpose we're trying to control all these things and And there's so much that's out of our control. If the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that Mm -hmm. there's so much that's out of our control, but can we be people of the spirit who are willing to go on the adventure of taking up our cross daily to follow Christ. And I just encourage you, you know, I I, seriously, that's the question that I'm at. Okay. Holy spirit, where are you leading today? What are we dancing today? What new moves learn today? Um, And of course, growing up in a uh, Pentecostal context where you don't dance, we don't drink, we don't do none of that stuff. That's a little (laughs) maybe controversial for you, but you know, the spirit dances, (laughs) the spirit dances. dance in the spirit, even if it's bachata in the
0: spirit. Oh my gosh well thank you ladies again for your words of wisdom so many pearls during this time together and i'm so grateful that i was blessed to to meet you and to be able to um serve alongside you even though we're in different parts of the country and um thank you again to everyone who took this time to listen i hope you were blessed and um, I'll see you all on the next episode. Bye. Ooh.